Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are here to worship you this morning and we thank you that you've brought us here. Even as last night we all sat kind of in awe at the storms, the rain, the water. And yet, God, it passed. And many of us will go home today and figure out how we're going to deal with the water. But right now we're here, God, and we came here that we would worship you. And we thank you, God, that you brought us here. We thank you that we have a place to gather, a dry place to gather. And Father, we pray today that we would look at your word, and you would speak to us, and we would believe you. Oh, Father, by your grace and by the power of your spirit, give us strength to believe. Give us faith, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would turn in the Bible to John chapter 1, page 975 in the Pew Bible, John chapter 1. Several weeks ago, we finished our series through the Gospel of Mark. And now we're kind of in between things, and I spent a couple weeks talking about our church's mission statement and core values. Last week, Marcus Lehman preached an outstanding sermon on, on missions and God's calling in that, and, uh, and, and also how God is working in their lives to call them to the mission field. And so now here we are today, and I want to, before we get into another book and, and really get going like we do, spending a lot of time in one book, I want to do... Another short series, I want to do a three-part series, three sermons today, next week, and the following week on the theme of light and dark in, in the Bible. And this is a big theme, this is something that we can learn a lot from, and it's something that God uses quite a bit, and it's very uh, simple, and so I think it's going to be good for us to look at it. Uh, the passage that, that Austin read was from Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the one that says, you are the light of the world, and a city on a hill cannot be hidden, and what's the purpose of it, and therefore let your uh, light so shine before others, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, perhaps uh, the most familiar passage in the Bible on light, Matthew chapter 5, and one that you've probably heard before, right, that, that we've got to be the light or the light of the world. It, it's probably familiar. But I want to go further with that. I want to keep looking at it in, in hopes that, that you would really get it. I want us to understand it. I think we're going to be challenged by it. I think we're going to be encouraged by it. Uh, matter of fact, I think we will really be built up by this light and darkness theme. It's going to be at John chapter 1, verse 45. You know, everybody learns differently. I think that you know that. Not everybody learns the same. Some people want you to tell them how to do it. And some people want you to show them how to do it, right? Some people want to just watch the movie. And some people would rather read the book. And some of y'all laugh because you think I would always rather watch the movie. But there are really people that would rather read the book. We learn differently. We surely do. And so teaching, man, this is a really big conversation even in the, the education world. Teaching has to consider that. Not all students learn equally the same way. People can learn in different ways. and You know who knows this really well? God does. God is a master 
meeting us where we're at, talking to us on a level that we understand. There were times where you would find Jesus in the synagogue with the sharpest of the sharp scholars, and Jesus would go, so to speak, toe-to-toe with them on the depths of the intellectual conversation that they were having. So much so that we often hear in the Gospels, nobody teaches like this. But there were other times where Jesus would be out in the middle of nowhere and run into somebody that wasn't even wearing clothes. There were times where Jesus was in a conversation with somebody that the Bible says wasn't in their right mind. In other words, you're shaking your head. What's wrong with this person? And Jesus was right there. There were times where he was talking to women that had five husbands. There were times where he was sitting down thirsty and just engaging in conversations. There's times where he was with rich people that like to act like they are above people. And there are times when he was with broken people who knew or felt like they were below everybody. He just meets you right where you're at. Right where you're at. And not just with the way he handled you, but also with the way he taught. This is why, listen to me, church, this is why true Christians and true churches must be about what God is about. And we need to get over our agendas, get over our personal preferences, certainly get over our politics and our own convictions, and get over those things and be people of the book who will be like God wants us to be. In, in, in actuality, be like God, because he is such a master at this. My kids have gotten me into all types of like uh, movies now, stuff that I never would dreamed of. And one of the movies that I really like is Big Hero 6. I don't know if y'all have seen Big Hero 6, right? Y'all remember Baymax? Baymax is uh, this big balloon doctor guy in Big Hero 6. And, I, and I, I, I love that movie. Well, there's a scene at the beginning where this young little super smart guy, can't remember his name, is bot fighting. And I love that scene where he's bot fighting and he hustles this big mean guy, takes all of his money with this little robot that he's controlling. Awesome scene. His brother swings in at the last minute on a moped. He grabs the money, hops on a moped, and they bust it out. His brother's a big engineer in engineering school. And his brother was always telling him, because he would get frustrated. A little guy, little brother would get frustrated when he couldn't do something. And his brother would always say, hey, listen, you just need to find another angle. You just need to find another angle. You're trying to do it this way and it's not working and now you're frustrated. Instead of giving up saying, I can't, try it a different way. Find another angle. Y'all, God is so good at this. God is a master teacher. God talks to some people like this. You're wrong and you need to get right. God talks to some people like this. I want to be your father. Same conversation, just meeting you where you're at. God talks to some people like this. You don't listen to anything we're trying to say. You can't hear the truth right now. And God talks to some people like, keep listening to me and understand what I'm saying and it'll all make sense. And I could go on and on with all of the different examples. It depends on where you're at. The reality is we're all far from God and we need to be brought near to God. And God does that by his love and his grace through what Jesus has done on the cross to forgive us of our sins. But the conversation is super, super different in a lot of different ways. That's why the Bible's long. That's why there's a lot of different stories. 
Well, in the Gospel of John, you see this right away. And so many of the examples I've given are found here in the Gospels. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are four different people, four different stories of Jesus' life. They start at the beginning, and they go all the way to the end. They want you to know a lot about Jesus. They all climax with Jesus dying on the cross, being buried, and being raised to victorious life. And they want you to turn away from your sins, stop being distracted by yourself, and turn to Jesus, set your eyes on him, and be saved, and be forgiven, and be a child of God, and live for Jesus. That's what they all want you to do. That's what they're all about. That's the purpose of them. Well, John's gospel, where you're at today right now, John chapter 1, John's gospel actually, the story narrative part of it begins at verse 19. Like many of them, it starts with John the Baptist, it gets going, then it goes into Jesus' coming, and then the, the, the life and ministry of Jesus. It actually starts it at verse 19, but John does something that Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't do, and he puts this little prologue at the beginning. The first 18 verses of John are like a, 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 a prologue, just that. It's this little thing that's been written that, that John wants you to read and understand before you start reading the gospel. You know, sometimes books will do this, right? I don't know if you've ever opened up a book before or read a book before, but chapter one's like page 20. You ever notice that sometimes? The first page of the book can be page 20 sometimes. You're like, well, what are these other pages and do I need to read them? Well, sometimes you have an introduction and some you have some, sometimes you have something the author wants to say and sometimes it's just, hey, read this. This will help a little bit before you get going with it. And that's what John does. And it's loaded. The prologue is loaded. Read with me John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Let's stop there for just a minute. John's clearly talking about major subjects here, huge categories. This is huge. The first thing you notice, the very beginning of John's gospel, the first three words that John wrote down are in the beginning, and that sets every one of our minds to the first three words of God's book, the Bible. The first three words of the Bible are in the beginning, and the first three words of John are in the beginning, and John is wanting us to be connected with the Creator. And so he talks about, he was in the beginning with God, so it's a person, and all things were made through him. And so John has not come out and said yet that he's talking about Jesus, but he is talking about Jesus. If you look down to verse 14, it says, and the Word, the Word of verse 1, the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what John is talking about is Jesus, and he's calling him the Word, and he's saying that he's God, and he's saying that he's been there from the beginning. And in verse 3, he's saying that he made everything, and everything that's ever been made was made by Jesus. And obviously, these are really big categories. And then you get to verse 4, and he says, in him was life. Y'all, this is so much what we're all searching for. Life. What's the purpose of life? What's the point of life? What makes me happy in life? Why am I not happy in life? Why am I so sad? Why am I, why am I depressed? Why do I struggle so much? Right? These are all the questions that everybody's always asking. And he just comes out. It takes him three verses. He finally gets to verse four and he just says, life's in Jesus. Life is in Jesus. That's what verse four says. But when you say that, right? Because we say it. Man, life's all about Jesus. There are a lot of people that have questions from there. And just like in Big Hero 6, he says, find another angle. God's got angle after angle after angle to where he'll connect with us. 
And in John's prologue, which is one of the biggest, deepest works in, in the Bible, John is about to shift from creator, creation, word, in the beginning, in him was life. The word, Jesus is about to shift that and go now straight into an analogy or a metaphor. Look what he says next in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So John now has us thinking, okay, I need life, but I also need light. And light, where we may have all types of questions about life, you and I don't have as many questions about light. We, we get that. We get light. I don't know if the power went out at your house last night. It flickered at our house. But you've all been there before when the power has gone out in your house, have you not? And every one of us, our first move is to light a candle or grab a flashlight. We need the light, and we understand light. And John, being empowered by God's Holy Spirit, John is now going to write about how you and I need life in this struggling world. You and I need Jesus in this life, but he's going to do it in terms that we understand. Light. In him was life, and the life was the light. Y'all, Jesus is the light. Well, look here. Verse 5, he starts to elaborate. He says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We get that. We get that. A candle is what we need. A flashlight's what we need if it's dark. You know, you don't have to be taught to turn the lights on in your car. Isn't that awesome? You don't even think about that. If you need the lights on in your car, you turn them on because it's dark, and you don't even really think about it. You ever turn your lights on when it was raining one time? And your lights are on in the car, and then it quit raining, and it's the middle of the day, and you got out of your car and forgot to turn your lights off. Well, my car will beep and let me know that the lights are on. You remember that. You know what I'm saying? When it's dark, you don't need anybody to tell you that the light shines in the darkness. These are concepts that you and I understand. But now John and God are explaining this to us about life. What does he mean by darkness? The Bible describes the sinful world that we live in, in which people are sinful, in which there's, there's evil around us, in which things are not as they ought to be. You know, we can go back and forth on how bad you think things are or how sinful you think people are or the world is. But God wants us to know, listen to me, that this isn't the way things are supposed to be. This isn't the holy, glory state of things in which God intended them to be. It will get back to that at one point. Heaven is a real place that God is moving us toward. That matter-of-factly, he will absolutely set up one day. There is coming a time where God will create a new heaven and a new earth, and he will reign over everything there, and it will be completely peaceful and completely happy, and it will truly be all good. But we're not there yet. Life's not that way right now. Right here in, in little old Fairdale, we dealt with three heavy deaths this week. If you haven't heard, Mr. Steve Goodwin passed away. 
you haven't heard, Debbie Fielding passed away. And if you haven't heard, Miss Pat Shaw passed away. This week. It's a lot of death. That's a lot of heaviness. That's a lot of people right now this Sunday morning who are at home mourning and grieving over the loss of loved ones. That's just the start of it, right? I don't know if you've watched the news lately, but there's a lot of stuff going on, aren't there? Been that way for quite some time. However you want to describe that, here's one way that you can describe it. The world is in darkness. The world is in darkness. Argue it all you want, deny it all you want. The Bible describes the world being in darkness, and things look pretty dark at times. Does that mean there's not light around? Certainly not. But there is darkness. Just listen to this verse right here from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, for those of y'all that are taking notes. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. And this is a, a passage in the prophets, the prophet Isaiah, talking about what it will be like once the light comes, that the people in the dark will be enlightened by the light. But the truth is, the point is, that there is darkness. I don't know if you would admit it today. I don't know if you want to go there. There are people living in the dark. People living in the dark. And every one of us, myself included, our lives have darkness to it. There are times when we're upset. There are relationships that pain us. There are actions that convict us. Guilty conscience is such a real conversation that I feel like I have with people all the time. Darkness is a real thing. But notice that in verse 5, he's talking about something that is greater than the darkness, and that is the light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If you're here today and you can relate to the darkness, be encouraged, for as dark as the dark is, it cannot compete with the light. For as dark as the dark is, it cannot compete with the light. My kids love Legos, and they'll, buy, they'll get these Lego sets and build these, these big Lego sets. And the other day, one of the kids wanted to take it with them to the car, and that's always a bad idea because it's really easy to shatter, break, destroy a built Lego set. But you know how it is. You can't tell a kid no, that type of thing. So they said they're going. They take the Legos, and they're coming back in. And it's dark outside, and sure enough, when they're trying to walk in, it busted, and there were Lego pieces in the grass. It's bad. So they're kind of freaking out. We've got to find them. We've got to find them. We went and grabbed flashlight. We did everything we could. We turned on the porch lights, doing everything we could, trying to, trying to find these Lego pieces in the grass. And we just couldn't. And this went on for probably 15 minutes trying to find them. And they're all, all upset. Oh, no, all is lost. We're never going to find it. I'll never be able to build it again. And I said, well, ain't my fault. I didn't drop it. I said, but let's go home. Let's go inside and sleep and see what happens tomorrow. Well, guess what happened the next morning, y'all? The sun came up. The best, biggest source of light there's ever been. Kid walked out there and said, oh, there it is. Picked it up. What was so bothersome by the darkness the night before was overcome so easily by the light. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 5, that the light shines in the dark. I don't know what's dark in your life right now. 
I don't know exactly what the darkness is for you, but I promise you this, that Jesus is the light that comes into the darkness. Now listen to me. What light does is it shines into darkness. And so what light does is it causes you to see. And so what happens when a darkness gets exposed in our lives is it, listen to me, it doesn't necessarily remove those bad things, but it causes us to see them. Causes us to deal with them. Causes us to be honest about it. It causes us to admit, which may lead to a confession. It causes us to get closer to repenting of our sin instead of saying, well, I can't see it or I'm not going to deal with it or I don't recognize it or it's not that big of a deal. It causes us to say, this is a problem in my life, in my heart. This is a problem. And, and it leads us then to turn to that source of light and say, God, thank you for exposing my sin to me. God, thank you for exposing this flaw to me. God, thank you for pointing this out. God, thank you for convicting me. And God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. This is what the light does. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness can't handle it. And the the light is stronger. See, what darkness does, listen to me. Darkness causes us to not be able to see, right? Y'all ever been down to Mammoth Cave? It's awesome, Mammoth Cave. It's so cool that we've got something that, that fascinating in the world this close to us. But you'll get in Mammoth Cave, and they've got electricity in there now, and they can turn on the power and the lights and all that. But you'll get way deep back into Mammoth Cave, and they tell you all these stories, and then they'll turn off, turn off the lights. And y'all, it'll get so dark in there that you can't tell if your hand is right there. Y'all, darkness will cause you to not see. There are times when we're living life without any eyesight. And when you can't see, you don't understand. When you can't see, you don't understand. And when you don't understand, you don't know. And not knowing is not where we're supposed to be. This means we don't see God. We don't understand God. We don't understand life. We don't know God. And this is what God is telling us. Again, God says this in the Bible in so many different ways. There are times where he says, you don't know me. I never knew you. He says it plainly like that. But there are also times where he says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He says it a little bit better than this even, or a little bit more thoroughly, in chapter 3. Turn over to John chapter 3. I want to show you this. Most well-known verse in the entire Bible is verse 16. Many people know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, but they've never really read it in their Bible. They've just heard it countless times. John chapter 3, verse 16, read with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now stop right there for a second. I think because you've been around church or, or you've heard something like this before, you get John 3.16, right? God loves us, and he sent Jesus, and if you believe in him, you'll be welcome into God's family, forgiven of your sins. But if you don't, you will perish and you will die in your sins. That's what John 3.16 is saying. And all of this is available or possible because of God's great love for us through Jesus, all right? 
But God can say that in other ways, and that's my point. And he can use light and darkness to make that message even clearer. Look at now at verse 17. Let's keep reading. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Again, that's him still preaching and explaining. But now look at verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The Bible's teaching us that for as great as the light is, people just prefer the darkness. People love darkness more than light. People love evil more than goodness. It says in verse 20, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Y'all, the Bible is wanting us to understand a couple things. Stop thinking about yourself, whether you're good or whether you're bad. That's what the Bible wants us to understand. Stop thinking about yourself on whether you're good or whether you're bad. And please, church, stop patting yourself on the back thinking that you're good. But rather, set your thoughts toward God. See yourself through God. Think about yourself through God. And then take this conversation and, and see yourself as standing under the bright light of God shining on you. And when God shines the bright light on you, what is exposed? And then there are some good deeds and there are some bad deeds in every one of us. All of us have done some good things and all of us have done some bad things. And when God shines the light, the bright light, the, the all resourceful light that God is and he shines that light on you and your bad deeds your sins your thoughts outward or inward when that is exposed do not please do not ignore it hide it cover it up run from it do not make excuses when God exposes your sins turn to him and say father forgive me of my sins this is what the light does. And what's awesome about it, and Joe just had the perfect song for us, is that the Bible teaches us, because of the light or the source of light, because of who he is and what his nature and character is, listen, this isn't a bad parent that you have to hide from because you're afraid they're going to be so mean to you over your flaws. This isn't a bad cop that you have to be scared of because you're so afraid of their bad flaws. This isn't something evil and wicked that you're so afraid of their judgment because they're not going to treat you right. This is a loving God, a Father in heaven, who when he sees our sinfulness, loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus and he shines the light on our darkness. He doesn't say you aren't sinful. He says you are sinful. And he exposes your sins, whatever that is, and he says, bring that to me that I would forgive you of your sins. The light shines into the darkness of our lives and the darkness cannot compete. Whatever the devil, whatever our sinfulness is, whatever our selfishness is trying to do with us that's got us all tangled and distracted and, and warped and confused and all of that, the light exposes it. And you and I have to 
go toward the light saying, oh, forgive me. Forgive me, God. And God will. He loves us. He sent his son Jesus for that very reason. So the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I think, I think we understand this. this. At least this metaphor makes sense. Again, I'm telling you, find another angle. God does that for us. He uses the light and dark analogy. And we get that. We understand light and dark. So what's it look like then in our lives? I want to get you to think about a couple other passages. We just read in Matthew chapter 5, Austin read it in the middle of our service, where Jesus, in his longest sermon in the Bible, the longest sermon that we know about Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says to the disciples, you are the light of the world. He tells them that they are the light of the world. Let me ask you something. Is there light in the world today? I've just hit it pretty hard that the world's dark. Is there light? Is there some real true light shining in this world today? Absolutely there is. I hope you understand that. Absolutely there is. I hope you can think of times where you've been light in the world or somebody's been light in the world to you or I hope that you love to hear stories, right, where God is shining in the world. Absolutely there is. Well, how does that happen? What's it look like? Where does it come from? Well, he says there that you are the light of the world. Well, he's talking to the disciples. On what level, to what extent, were they light? Now, you know that in the Sermon on the Mount, he was teaching just to those, just to those disciples, but the Bible teaches us that, that we can extend that on to what he was telling them. We can apply that to those who are faithful followers of Christ now. So he's describing us as light. And I want to ask you, are, are you light? Are you bright? In next week's sermon, I'm going to talk about what that really means to to be the light and give you an awesome practical example of someone that was. It's not exactly what you think. We often reduce it to just being a good person and doing good works, and I'm going to really try to show you that that's not really that much of being the light. There's got to be more to it than that. It's got to get to the source. But in those 12 disciples, one would betray him and run off. He wasn't very bright. Peter, the leader, would deny him three times. So what was the light, actually? Well, there's another passage. Stay right here in John and turn to chapter 8. In Matthew 5, 14, he tells them that you are the light of the world. But in John chapter 8, we have the second of the seven I am statements in John's gospel. If y'all know what that is, there's seven I am statements. And the second of the seven is found here in John chapter 8. Look at verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is not telling the disciples that they are light. Here, in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 8, verse 12, who's the light of the world? Jesus is, clearly. In John chapter 1, verse 4, it said, In him was life, and the life was the light. In John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life, and in him was life, and the life was the light. And the light shines in the darkness. Jesus is clearly the light in John chapter 1, but in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you're the light. But in John chapter 8, right here, verse 12, he says, no, I am the light of the world. So what is the light in the world? Is it Jesus or is it us? And 
If Jesus isn't here now, if he's up in heaven, seated on his throne, where the Bible tells us he is, where we wait for him to return, well, then does that mean there's no light here? Or in, in what ways is there light here? Is the world just in darkness? Is there hope? Well, look what he says next in John 8, 12. And this is important for us as we start to finish out this sermon today. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Look at this. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If the darkness means we don't see, and what we don't see, we don't understand, and what we don't understand, we can't know, then the light helps us see. And in causing us to see, we start to understand. And what we start to understand we start to know. And Jesus being God, God's Son that came to us to die on the cross for our sins, to remove the sin barrier between us and God, who died to bring us to God, Jesus being that and also being the light, now is applied to us in the sense that we, when we follow Him, we do not walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life. In other words, Jesus is the source of light in the world. Jesus is the source of overcoming darkness in the world. What about you? What about your world? What about your heart? Is there darkness? Has it been exposed? Has it been dealt with? Is the light shining? What do you think? Have you looked to Christ? Have you thought about how God explains it this way? Do you need somebody to turn the lights on in your darkness and that it would be exposed that you would look to Christ, be forgiven of your sins? Are you following Jesus who is the light? Are you coming out of darkness into light because that's what Jesus does to somebody? This is what he's describing. Remember in John chapter 1, verse 5, that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't compete. It can't handle it. The light is too strong. So then you ask, well, how do I get that light or that freedom from dark? How do I get that? Well, here at John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, whoever follows me. Will you follow Christ? Sometimes we get busy with taking all the kids to dance or sports or whatever else is going on, and we've got a little baby girl at home that just gets, we just have to drag her along to everything. Sometimes that goes really well, and she enjoys it, and as you can imagine, sometimes that is a challenge. So we've gotten sometimes where we'll pack the iPad with us, and when all starts to break down and fail, we'll pull it out, and that'll pacify a kid for forever, it seems. If you hand a kid an iPad, they are happy until you make them stop. And so a lot of times we can be at some event for our other kids and pull that out, and we'll be having such peace. And that happened one time a few weeks ago. And we thought, okay, get the iPad out. 
We got it out. And y'all know what iPad is, right? I mean, it's Apple product, really nice. They're, they're kind of expensive. You can do so much with it. And really a nice thing an iPad is. We pulled it out and we handed it to her and it, it wouldn't turn on. The battery was dead. Bad move. Because we had already shown it to her. That's going to make all of the problems worse. And you know, I, I really want you to hear this. Nice iPad. Worth a lot. Costs a lot. Can do so much. Such a resource. Such a tool. Such a babysitter. Without a charger. No good. Can't do the job. Can't get it done. Misses its whole purpose. Me and you, such a resource, such potential, such a heart, such love, such life. We could go on and on with how unique and special people are. But Jesus is that source. Jesus is the source. God will explain that to you in so many different ways. He is the light of the world. And the way your darkness gets overcome by light is when you get Jesus. If you don't want Jesus, you'll remain in the darkness. You'll keep hiding things. You'll keep hoping some things don't get exposed. And with that comes guilt and a guilty conscience and frustration and could go on and on to other things. But God wants you to know that nothing can set you free from His love. Nothing can separate you from being accepted into his family. Nothing can put darkness on that light because the light is stronger than the darkness. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light. Do you know Jesus? Have you committed yourself to Christ? Have you asked God to put light into your world? Remember that passage in Isaiah that we read at the very beginning? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people have seen a great light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Do you realize that God said that then as a foretelling of what God is doing and would be doing in the future? Do you realize that what God loves to do is bring people into the light? Many of you all have already had that experience. Many of you would say, that's who I am right now. If you've never come to know Christ, set your eyes on following him would you do it today let's pray Father 
Thank you so much for a simple analogy of light and darkness. Thank you, God, for talking about big subjects like salvation and life and ways that we can understand. Oh, God, help us to not live in the darkness. Move in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.